morning everybody we are starting a new series this morning and we'll, we'll kind of start off this way that uh, some of you know my past maybe don't but when I was eight years old my parents divorced um, both of them went their separate ways and out of sheer practicality uh, we were with my mom and uh, she couldn't take care of my brother and I for quite a while and my sister came on board but we spent a lot of time summers almost a year at both sets of our grandparents house growing up one summer as my mother was falling in construction around as a flag girl we I spent the entire summer living in a 14-foot camper trailer up in the mountains where they were doing construction with no plumbing no running water nothing another year I remember going to six different elementary schools in one year just from all the constant moving with moving with her chasing the construction around and I really didn't understand it all as a kid, but you know when you're a kid, you just kind of take life as it comes, and that was life. I kind of actually thought for, most people lived like that, which was not true. It was just my world. That's all that I knew. I didn't know anything different. In addition to that, because of all that constant moving and six different schools and everything a year and being out in the woods for a summer night, I didn't realize how lonely I was how lonely I was for a real friend because when you go to six different schools in one year you get really good at kind of being the class clown and making friends but you never learn to keep friends because you're not there long enough to learn how you're completely or I was completely ignorant on how to be a good friend long term because I never had the opportunity to keep one it was just go one place make friends and then move on again. It wasn't until junior high that we finally settled down and stayed where we were for through my high school years that I finally had the shocking reality of, I don't know how to keep a friend. And I learned that age-old lesson that is true that to have a friend, you have to what? You have to be a friend first. Loneliness for me, although I didn't realize it until years later, was just part of growing up. Do you know that our world is filled with lonely people? Perhaps even our church today and those listening are lonely people. Loneliness is rampant in our society. Paul Tournier, a Swiss psychiatrist Christian who died a few decades ago said this, that loneliness is the malady of our age. Mother Teresa, you remember her, said that loneliness was the leprosy of the West, referring to the United States. She said it was the most terrible poverty to be lonely. And since 2020, with the advent of COVID and people being isolated and told they could not leave their homes or go to work and they had to distance themselves either six feet or completely from everybody at all, it's increased exponentially to the point that if you watch some of the clips of loneliness in China with people being locked in their apartments, they would literally commit suicide and jump out their windows because of loneliness. I've also heard recently as I was putting this together that because of our epidemic of loneliness just in the United States alone, not even looking outside of our own country, that there is such a demand for counselors that we are at an epidemic low of not having enough counselors to help people get through loneliness. I'm sure anyone who's working and has insurance has their little teledoc and telehealth and telecounselor, but there's not enough to go around. It's rampant. Companies now are even encouraging their employees who work remotely to sign up willfully for counseling because of loneliness. You know, loneliness is an interesting thing because if you're a lonely person, you can literally be in a crowd of a thousand people and feel what? Isolated and lonely. Some people who don't struggle with loneliness can be all by themselves and not feel the sting of loneliness at all. You see, loneliness is not so much a particular state or a particular situation as it, is an, as it is an attitude. It's a state of mind, it's a state of being, of 
how we choose to see the world, our lives, and everything around us. It's a feeling that tells us nobody really knows me. Nobody really cares. Nobody really wants to be around me. A lonely person feels isolated and alienated and abandoned and distant from others even though there are people around them. You know if you do a search on lonely songs, you'll get more songs than you can go through on the list. All about being down and having the blues and being so lonely. I mean, wasn't it Elvis that said, I'm so lonely, I could die. And he did. He died a lonely man in drug overdose. Elvis knew about loneliness and yet he was one of the most famous, recognizable, popular people in the world at the time of his death. But he died a lonely man. Looking to other things to compensate in his life for his loneliness. In the Bible, there was King David. He knew about loneliness. In Psalm 142 and verse 4, he sums up loneliness probably best of all. You see, he's been driven out. He's on the run, running from Saul, who is out to kill him as the king. And David's been running all this time. And he finds himself in a cave. And David says in Psalm 142 verse 4, he says, Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. Well, that's pretty lonely, isn't it? That's loneliness personified. We're talking over the next couple of Sundays about an extremely painful but real emotion. An extremely painful but real attitude that even we as Christians like King David often struggle with. Sometimes for a short time, sometimes for decades, and some even make it a lifestyle. You felt the sting of loneliness? You know what it's like to feel isolated in a crowd, to feel like you're in a relationship, but you're all alone? Nobody cares. Nothing's ever going to change. There's that, just that deep, empty, aching in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? It's not something we like to talk about, is it? We like to talk about joy, joy, joy down in my heart. But sometimes that joy is replaced by loneliness. And the Bible deals with loneliness just like it dealt with King David. And because loneliness is such an epidemic, even sometimes in our own lives, it's important to go back to the Word of God to see what God says about loneliness. You see, the Bible kind of frames loneliness like an alarm. You ever have an alarm go off when you're not ready to have it go off? I mean, you're in that deep sleep, you're dreaming, it's, it's wonderful, comfortable, you're cozy in bed, it's a little crisp and cool outside, and all of a sudden, <laughs> kind of shocks you, right? An alarm is a way of saying, hey, there's something going on. You've got to do something. And in the case of bed, you're supposed to do what when the alarm goes off? I was going to say, someone's going to say, hit the snooze button, go back. I was waiting for it. But you're supposed to get up. When this emotional alarm of loneliness goes off in our life, it's like God is saying, hey, there's something wrong in your attitude and in your life. You need to deal with it. That's what the issue of loneliness is really about. You see, God doesn't candy coat things, does he? He doesn't hide us from painful things, and he knows that because of sin in the world, there are times we, even as Christians, will struggle with loneliness. And we need to realize that loneliness, that attitude of how we're looking at the world and others and ourselves, is an alarm clock going off that says something is wrong, and you cannot afford to not deal with it. When a noisy loneliness siren goes off, and it is a noisy silent siren because nobody hears it, but when you have that loneliness, you hear it constantly, don't you? When it goes off, we need to say, hey, there's something wrong. God's sending me a message to the Holy Spirit saying, 
your desire for companionship is being threatened. Your desire for relationship is on fire and you've got to deal with it. You've got to do something about it. You see, God has made us in his image. God is a personal God. He's not a distant God somewhere out there. And God is a, most of all, a relational God, isn't he? He seeks to have a relationship with us, not just be some overlord out in the distant cosmos somewhere that looks down at us like little ants and kind of shrugs his shoulders. God came that we might have a relation with him, relationship with him, a personal relationship that as the old hymn says, we might walk with him and talk with him, that just as God did with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the garden that he created, he walked with them and talked with them and spent time with them until sin entered the world. He created us with a desire for relationship, a desire for companionship, and even in the Word of God, he says to be in fellowship as he commands us and tells us as a church to not forsake the gathering together in fellowship as some do. He calls us to be in relationship. Remember one of the first things that God said to Adam back in Genesis 2.8? Adam's out there. The whole world's created. The Garden of Eden's created. It's all perfect. It's all good. You know, I think the apples probably tasted like a nice medium rare tenderloin steak. They must have been awesome back then, you know. God saw Adam and he said this in Genesis 2.8. He said, it is not good that man should be what? alone. When God created Adam and he said it was good, and the creation and he said it was good, he looked at Adam as his creation. He says, it's not good that man is alone. Every other animal in the kingdom had how many? At least two. He was pairing them up. When God called the animals to go on Noah's Ark, he brought them in by what? Most of them. By twos. They were in relationship. God doesn't want us to live out a lonely life, but yet in this world cursed with sin, many of us have felt the hurt and pain of just being overwhelmed by loneliness. For some of us today, we may be sitting here or listening or watching and even saying, I don't even know what I'm doing right now listening to this message because I'm so lonely. And now you're talking about loneliness. This is hard. Well, I want to tell you something very encouraging. That God does not want you to live like that. God wants to speak to your heart today if you're struggling with loneliness or know somebody that is. He wants to turn that loneliness around. And he wants you and I to discover victorious living. Victorious living. Overcoming the sting of loneliness. But the issue is this, we have to do two things. We have to realize that our loneliness alarm is going off and then we need to go back to the word of God and take action and deal with the loneliness by God's help with the word of God to deal with that. The first five years that Christy and I were married, I still at that point didn't know that from my childhood I was dealing with loneliness. I didn't even know I had that issue yet. So I hid myself in other things, and Christy can testify to this. This will take her way back. I, I set up our basement, which was unfinished. I had my computer down there, my little black and white computer that in those days, you know, you turn it on, a little dot comes in the middle, and after five minutes, it kind of fine opens up, and you can actually see the computer. I found a video game to build a city, and I would go down there with my computer and my printer, and I would spend hours and hours and hours hiding out in my loneliness, thinking I was accomplishing something by building this city online. And then I would print the city out and paste it all on the wall to see what I had created. All the time not realizing that I was avoiding the issue of loneliness in my life and I was damaging the marital relationship by ignoring my wife. You see, when you replace your spouse or anybody else, with someone, with something like a computer game or a hobby or work or some kind of indulgence or constant travel and vacation, 
there's a problem, isn't there? And anyone who can hear my voice that's been in relationship knows that. Perhaps you've been the one that's replaced someone with someone or something else. Perhaps you've been the one that's been replaced. And we know that sting of loneliness and hurt. You see, the issue is when we do that, we make our relationship one plus one plus one, which is not good unless it's in the case of God, right? It's not good. And I had to realize that until I dealt with the issue, guess what, shocker, newsflash, surprise, nothing ever got what? Better. Had to deal with it. So how about you? You know, it's been my life story now. I'm dealing with loneliness and growing up and not knowing I had a problem, not knowing I had an issue until later on. What do you hide your loneliness in? Games, hobbies, internet, cleaning, work, sleeping, travel, someone, something. What do you hide your loneliness in? We have a tendency as people because of sin to look everywhere to fill our lives except where? Except for God. Even as Christians, we fill our lives with stuff and things and activities essentially to do what? To avoid the reality of the pain and sting of loneliness, don't we? You know what I'm talking about? Can you, do you sense that? Does it hurt to talk about this? because we're dealing with that and we can almost feel that ache in our heart in the back of my mind. Sometimes it feels so good just to do those things because it's like a band-aid on a wound, right? I mean, it looks like we've fixed it up, we put a band-aid and a little kiss on there and it's all better and all good, right? But it's still there. Went swimming with our grandson Tim over the weekend and he fell down because he was uh, twirling around with grandpa's hat on his head and couldn't see and scuffed up his elbow and he got up and I said well you're doing you're doing a good boy you didn't even cry and dad runs over and slaps a band-aid on there but you know what was beneath that band-aid the wound was still there wasn't it and that's like loneliness in our lives and we don't deal with the issue of loneliness and go to God instead of two things we can put a band-aid over it but what's still there the issue of loneliness. And if we don't deal with it, it can cost us tremendously long-term, relationally, emotionally, intellectually. We need to give up ourselves and seek the Lord. So if, you're, if you've got your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's an amazing passage of, of Scripture as Jesus is speaking, but it actually gives us a little insight on dealing with loneliness in God's way. Luke chapter 6. Jesus is on the mountain and he speaks this. He says in verse 27, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Well, this is interesting so far, isn't it? Then he says this, give to everyone who asks of you and whoever, asks, whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as you want, people to treat you treat them in the same way and then down in verse 38 he says give and it will be what given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together running over they will pour into your lap for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return you see in this passage of scripture Jesus is asking us to do something completely unnatural isn't it I mean, when you have an enemy, you just always have good unicorn and butterfly thoughts about him, right? Where does your mind go when you have an enemy? How horrible they are, what you want to do to them. I mean, a lot of people really, if they're honest, think this way. You don't want to kill your enemy because it's too fast and easy. You want them to what? Suffer for a while, right? Jesus says, I want you to love your enemy. I want you to give to your enemy. 
Matthew 5, 43 goes on to say, you've heard it said, your, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who persecute you and do good to those who hate you. Can you imagine being one of the individuals hearing the words of Jesus? I mean, you've heard some of his messages, they're great messages, you know, and, and, and you're fantastic. This teacher is teaching as one with true authority, not like the rabbis and Pharisees do, and it's amazing. And now he comes to you and he says, if you want to be in my kingdom, you need to do what? To love your enemies and to give. That had to rock their world, didn't it? Kind of rocks our world even 2,000 years later, doesn't it? How good are we doing at this? Nah, not so good, are we? <laughs> this is one of those things the Bible and Christians struggle with. I mean, we like to read it. It sounds good and loving, but to actually live it out and do it, it's a challenge, isn't it? Now, in these sections of, of Scripture that we just read, there is a key word, and it's listed twice in what I read to you. And the word is simply this, give. Give. I want to share with you three things over the next couple Sundays concerning the word give, that if you and I learn to do this from God's word, it will transform your loneliness into joy, into laughter, into blessings, and into a benefit. You want to get rid of loneliness? We've got to do things God's way. So here's exhortation or issue number one. When you feel lonely, remember what is loneliness really? It's that alarm going off saying what? Something's wrong, you've got to deal with this? When you feel lonely, give yourself to the Lord. You give all of yourself to the Lord. I mean, a lonely person feels like nobody cares, right? Nobody notices me, nobody cares. Nobody sees my pain. Nobody feels what I feel. So give yourself to the Lord when you feel lonely. When that alarm goes off, says, man, there's a relationship issue here. There's a problem. You are hurting big time. We need to remember our first and primary relationship. Remember Jesus said, do not forsake your first love. And our first love, when the Bible talks about it, is who? That salvation relationship with Jesus himself. He says, when you feel lonely, go back to your first love. Put all that other stuff aside. Put it all on hold. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but we cannot use it as a band-aid. We need to deal with this. We need to go back to Jesus and give ourselves completely to Jesus. And once again, sometimes we need to realize we need to give to what? To receive or to get. Remember I said at the beginning when I struggled with my loneliness, when I learned how to have long-term friends, I had to do what first? I had to be a friend before I could have a friend. Before we could have a relationship with God, God first what? Sought us out. You know why he did that? To teach us how to have a relationship with him. Most often we give ourselves when we feel lonely to someone or something else, but we need to learn to put that aside and give ourselves completely to God first. hundred percent to God and here's the great thing about that when we come to God and we give ourselves completely to God first he gives us a mirror to show us what we are really like and sometimes it's not that pretty but the good thing is God says I am always with you I, I am here with you I am going to transform you just like we talked about 15 weeks of transformation with the Apostles right God's gonna take what's wrong and make it right if we give ourselves to him. And what's so good about that, not only does it bless us, but it blesses others too. Have you ever noticed how lonely people want to be in a relationship of any kind? I know when we worked with the men from the homeless, men's homeless shelves for years and they were going through a year and a half of the program to get back on their feet, they would first kind of get their lives cleaned up 
at the homeless shelter, and then they would have to go out, and then they would have to get a job to contribute back to society and not get handouts all the time, and then they would have to be in church, and then they would have to eventually get out on their own and be in their own place to be self-sustaining, and all that was great and wonderful, but the biggest challenge that we always struggled with was once they were out on their own and they had graduated out of the, out of the program, they had a job, they had a small place of their own, they weren't struggling with their past, you know what their biggest thought was that brought them down? If I only was with in a relationship with a woman, my life would be perfect. Because one thing they couldn't do going through the program was date or be in a relationship. And in their mind when they got it out, if I was just in relationship with this person, it would be good. But here's the problem. You know what happens when you take a broke person and you put them with another broke person? It don't get better, does it? Anybody in here know that? My wife's not allowed to raise her hand right now. I've tied her hands down. But when you put two broken things together, they don't get suddenly fixed, do they? So as we give ourselves completely to God, the great thing is not only does he heal us and transform us and, and turn that, those ashes into joy, but he makes us whole and complete because our entire life, our entire attitude, our entire contentment, our entire being is centered around God who is so giving, he never runs out, he never runs dry, he is always pouring into us until we are overflowing, that suddenly we are whole. And you know what you have when you can take a whole person and another whole person and put them together? Well, I don't know yet, I haven't figured it out. I'm working on it. But you have something good, right? Sometimes we need to heal ourselves before we can give ourselves to another person. Because if you're a lonely person and you're hurting inside, when you see that other person and you get in that down state, what's going through your mind? I have nothing left to give. I've given everything. I'm on empty. I need someone to what? Pour into me. And here's what we have to learn. That other person that is pouring into us cannot be somebody else in our world it has to be Jesus who is otherworldly and loves us unconditionally and completely completely accepts you and I for who we are brokenness and all and says man I love you so much I'm going to transform you and make you whole and make you not hurt here's the crazy thing why do we run from when we see it, you know that intellectually, right? When we see that, we know it, why do we go the opposite direction? And that answer is simple, because of sin. And because oftentimes when we're that lonely, we're literally afraid or embarrassed to come to God because he will see our brokenness, right? And it's like Adam and Eve once again in the garden when God was fellowshipping with them and then sin entered in. What was the first thing they did when God came out and called their, their name? They hid, right? And God's like, Adam, where are you? I mean, he knew where he was. Yeah, he's God, right? He knew where he was, but he was giving Adam the opportunity to answer and take responsibility for his life and deal with the issue. And Adam's off hiding. You see, that's what loneliness and sin does in our life. That's why we run to other things and other places and other people is because we're no different than Adam and Eve. When, when God is calling us, he says, hey, that loneliness alarm is doing something in your life. I want to deal with that with you. I want to walk with you and talk with you. I want to take care of that. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. I can't talk to God right now, right? We need to overcome that and give ourselves to God because here's the reality. If we keep putting Band-Aids on loneliness and only treating the symptoms, it's like putting a band-aid with a smiley face on it when the doctor tells you you have cancer and because you've got a band-aid with a smiley face on your arm you're saying hey I overcame cancer does it change it what wins you were the cancer with that band-aid there and no other treatment the cancer wins but you can't see it can you you can't see it you can't smell it you can't taste it and by the way I got a smiley face band-aid on my arm I am healed Woo! doesn't do anything we got to deal with the issue just like can just like cancer the word give was in those beatitudes 
and God calls us to give ourselves to him. Well, we know in church, if you've been in church for more than a couple Sundays, you're called to give of your finances and tithe. You're called to give of yourself in service, to give of the talents and the spiritual gifts that God has given you, to, to give and give and give. And when we get lonely, sometimes we get in a wrong attitude because loneliness is an attitude. And we think all that God wants me for is what I can give to him. Have you ever thought that? I don't want to go to church because they're going to ask me to give in some way again of my time, of my money, of, of myself. You see, when you are, as the Bible calls it, a hilarious giver, it's also a consequence of an attitude in your mind and your heart, isn't it? Because you love God so much, you know every good thing comes from the Father above. You know that you can't outgive God, and the more that you give, the more He's going to give to you because you get it, you understand it, and you have no problem giving. It's a joy to give because it's blessing other people, right? It's great to give because it blesses the other people in the church, whether it's finances or the church building or emotions or whatever, and you give, give, give. But when you're lonely, you live in that fear like Adam and Eve did, and you don't want to give because you don't think you have anything left to give, right? To those people, to anybody else, I don't have anything left to give, so I don't even want to go. Because I'll have to give. Proverbs 23, 26, the Bible tells us this. He says, give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. God's calling us to give. Because he cares more about your heart and your attitude than you do. And he knows more than you and I do when we're hurting and when that loneliness alarm is going off. And he says, you need to give yourself to me so I can give to you until you are overflowing abundantly. And when he says this in Proverbs 23, when he says, give me your heart, my son, he's saying, how, give me of yourself how much? 100% completely. But then what happens at the second part of the sentence? He says, and let your eyes delight in my ways. You see, when we give ourselves completely to God, we lose nothing except our loneliness. That's the one thing that we lose and give up, really. And God blesses us. Our eyes are delighted with his ways. Proverbs 18, 24 tells us this, that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, referring to who? To Jesus. Your friend, you have a friend in Jesus, right? And he came to us as a friend before we came to him. He's exemplified what he's doing, but then he says, I want you to give yourself to me. Well, some people struggle with this because they can't see Jesus as a friend because Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is King, and we look at it kind of like we look at our nation where, yeah, there's the president, but he's our president, but I can't have a relationship with him, right? I mean, he doesn't call me up and ask me to go out and have a hamburger with him or go swimming with him, right? Sometimes we struggle with the issue of Jesus being a friend because we build up this issue with the attitude of loneliness that he is so distant and we are so far away. Once again, we have to give that to Jesus and give that up. God also reveals himself in scripture, not just as a friend, but as a father. In Romans 8, 15 and Galatians 4, 6 to 7, we, we read this. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Well, here's the challenge with that for us mentally also. God is Father. Anybody in here, like me, struggle with that because your father wasn't, what, a good father? And so to have Jesus as Father is pretty much a big step for us. This really struggles, is a struggle for a lot of fathers. Maybe they were abusive, maybe they had other issues, maybe they hurt you. And we think, man, when I think of my father, I want to run, right? And then to think of Jesus as a father, we struggle with that, especially with the attitude of loneliness. 
Matthew 7, verses 9 to 7, Jesus himself gives us some great insight in how we deal with this, again, biblically, not on our own terms. Matthew 7, verse 9, Jesus says, Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? And if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Here's the kicker, folks. God is what kind of a father? He's a good father. He doesn't struggle with sin like our worldly, earthly fathers. He's a good, good father, as the, as the song says. So God is a friend. And Proverbs 18, 24 again says, He sticks to us how close? Closer than a brother. But with loneliness, sometimes we struggle, again, with our relationship with Jesus once we get over those hurdles of friendship and kingship and fatherhood. And we say, I can't go to Jesus because he doesn't know the struggle that I'm going through. You ever had those thoughts? He's never been in my place. He doesn't understand. How can I go to God who doesn't understand what I go through? Well, I got more good news for you. You ready? Romans 8, 5, 8 tells us this. I mean, Romans 5, verse 8 tells us this. But God demonstrates his own love towards who? Towards us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God is always coming to us first. And when that loneliness alarm is going on off, we may feel isolated, but God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I want to take that burden off of you. Come to me, those of you who are lonely and heavy laden and burdened down by sin. Come to me, and I will relieve that from you as you give yourself to me. Give up your loneliness. Give up that attitude, and I'll replace it with joy. Hebrews 13, the whole chapter talks to us about how God is a helper, and he will send the helper to be with us. David, King David was called a man after God's own heart, but he had a share of difficulties. But God was always there with him, wasn't he? Even in his biggest downfalls, God was still there. You know what the key was to David's greatness? that he shared his heart with God. Eventually, sometimes it took him a while, but when he finally got back and got his, world, his universe centered around God, he would confess himself to God and say, God, I did this against you and you alone have I sinned. And then he would praise God openly in front of others. Psalm 62.8 tells us this in our relationship with God. Trust in him at all times, Oh, people, pour out your heart before him, for God is a refuge for us. Pour out your heart. Again, give yourself to God, because God is a what? A refuge. What's a refuge? It's a place of shelter, of covering, uh, a place of like a Quasimodo called sanctuary, right? In the hunchback of Notre Dame. The church, the cathedral, was sanctuary because they couldn't touch you in there. God is a refuge that even when we're lonely, if we give ourselves to him, he will protect us and cover us. He is our provider, our Jehovah Jireh. He will protect us. Hebrews 4, verse 15 says this, We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all points as we were yet without sin. So when we think that we can't go to God because he won't understand, Hebrews tells us right there that, hey, he's had every temptation that you had, and he overcame them. He understands the temptation and the struggle. It's very real, but he overcame them different than what we do, right? I mean, I don't know the last time God called me out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights to struggle with temptation day in and day out and day in and day out, and I came out successful. I think the first night in, I'd be a little scaredy cat because I'd already have blown it by then, right? He's gone through what we go through. We can trust in him because of that. The Bible also says Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And when we feel loneliness and isolation, we feel grief, don't we? Jesus 
knew that. In Isaiah 53, 3, we read that a couple weeks ago for communion. It tells us what Jesus was. Yes, he's Savior, he's Lord. But as he lived this earthly life, it tells us what he went through. Besides the 40 days of temptation, it says in verse 3, he was despised and forsaken. And here's what's crazy about being despised and forsaken. Who was it that despised and forsake him? The very people he came to love and save. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and like one whom men hid their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Goes on in verse 4 to 6 to say, Surely our griefs he bore himself. Our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced through for our sins and transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to what way? His own way. But the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. That's a message of loneliness. Man, there is no one more in the entire universe and all the heavens that understands loneliness more than Jesus does, right? And he overcame it. Even when Jesus was going to the cross after he'd been beaten, when he needed someone there most, he, he had his lead guy, Peter, right there, and Jesus needed a friend, a companion. What did Peter do? Denied him not just once, not twice, but three times when Jesus, Jesus needed someone there most. When Jesus was on the cross and took our sin upon him, when he needed his, his father there most of all and someone around him, he took that sin upon him and because of sin there is separation from God and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, why have you left me? And it was because he took our sin upon him. We know that Jesus could have called down 10,000 myriads of angels at any moment on that cross to comfort him and care for him. Yet, for our sake, to carry the brunt of our sin and struggle, did he do it? No, he saw it through for his Father's will because that was the only way we could have that reunion and that restoration, that healing. As Isaiah says, by his stripes, by his beating, by his wounds, as we celebrate in communion today, we are what? Healed, and by the shedding of his blood, we are forgiven. And Jesus seeks to give us new life. Hebrews 13, five tells us this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Other people may do that to us. We may do that to other people because of loneliness, but Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. What amazing verse first to have. When Paul was in prison by himself, he writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 18. He says, at my first defense, no one supported me. You think Paul struggled with loneliness? No one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not, here's catch this now, may it not be counted against them. Here we have the message coming full circle. Jesus says, if your enemy is hungry, what? Feed them. If they're thirsty, give them drink. Give, give, give yourself. Here Paul says, all this stuff, no one supported me. They all deserted me, but Lord, don't count it against them. You see Paul living in the image of Christ, that when Jesus is on the cross, he says those amazing words, what? Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. Paul goes on in verse 17 and says, But the Lord stood with me. Who was with Paul in prison? The Lord. He says, The Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that through me might be proclaimed fully, accomplished, all that the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and ever. Amen. What is Paul saying? When everybody else left me, 
and I was lonely and imprisoned and by myself, locked away even from the guards. When no one was there, I had all those people I needed and thought I could count on, and they deserted me. I have to live like God calls me to live. So, Father, do not hold it against him. Do not hold that desertion against him. But Paul goes on to say, but I was not alone. Because the Lord was there with me. And not only was he there, as I gave myself to him, and I lived my life after he called me to live and after he exemplified, he strengthened me and he rescued me. Isn't that what you want when the loneliness alarm goes off? To be strengthened and rescued? To have that loneliness replaced with joy? That's what God is calling us today to do. So if you've struggled with loneliness like I have, maybe not as much, maybe a thousand times worse. If you as a Christian have struggled with loneliness, God is saying, I'm speaking to you today and I want you to give yourself completely to me, even the loneliness. Do not be ashamed to come into my presence. I already know, but I won't hold it against you. In fact, I want you to give that up to me and quit replacing me with other things and places and people. I want you to give that to me because I want you to be content and enjoy because contentment with godliness is what? A great gain. You see, God says, I didn't just save you, your eternal soul and salvation. He goes, I came for more than that. In fact, it's kind of funny as we deal with loneliness. He says he came to do what? To heal who? The sick. I hate to be blunt, but when you're lonely and that attitude is pervading your life and the primary motivation in your life, you're sick. And Jesus says, I came to heal the sick. That's you and me, kids. That's you and me. So the encouragement today is if you're struggling with loneliness now or in the past or in the future, you got to spend some time with God. you got to give yourself completely to Him, and He will give Himself completely to who? To you. And He will heal you and give you contentment and fill you to overflowing where you don't need anything or anybody else because you have God with you. And you can be a hilarious giver in all ways because you are so overflowing with the presence of God and such joy that there is nothing better. Isn't that good news for the day? So spend some time with God this week. Cry out to him, do not be afraid. Don't hide like Adam and Eve did, but say, Lord, here I am. I'm broken, <laughs> but here I am. I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm available. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you deal with the struggles of our life, that, Lord, our world is rampant with loneliness. Even if we are not struggling with loneliness, we know people that are. And, Lord, because of your word and your spirit within us, we know the answer. We pray, Lord, that we would give ourselves completely to you, to not replace you, but to give ourselves completely to you, to trust you, to take away the loneliness, Lord, to give us that joy, that peace that passes all understanding because it goes beyond anything that makes sense or comprehension because it all comes from you. We pray, Lord, that we would be content in you and give you all glory. And as your word says, be overflowing as you have filled us to more than full. In Jesus' name, amen. Never and ever, amen. What is Paul saying? When everybody else left me, and I was lonely and imprisoned and by myself, locked away even from the guards. When no one was there, I had all those people I needed and thought I could count on, and they deserted me. I have to live like God calls me to live. So, Father, do not hold it against him. Do not hold that desertion against him. But Paul goes on to say, but I was not alone because the Lord was there with me. 
And not only was he there, as I gave myself to him, and I lived my life after he called me to live and after he exemplified, he strengthened me and he rescued me. Isn't that what you want when the loneliness alarm goes off? To be strengthened and rescued? To have that loneliness replaced with joy? That's what God is calling us today to do. So if you've struggled with loneliness like I have, maybe not as much, maybe a thousand times worse. If you as a Christian have struggled with loneliness, God is saying, I'm speaking to you today and I want you to give yourself completely to me, even the loneliness. Do not be ashamed to come into my presence. I already know, but I won't hold it against you. In fact, I want you to give that up to me and quit replacing me with other things and places and people. I want you to give that to me because I want you to be content and enjoy because contentment with godliness is what? A great gain. You see, God says, I didn't just save you, your eternal soul and salvation. He goes, I came for more than that. In fact, it's kind of funny as we deal with loneliness. He says he came to do what? To heal who? The sick. I hate to be blunt, but when you're lonely and that attitude is pervading your life and the primary motivation in your life, you're sick. And Jesus says, I came to heal the sick. That's you and me, kids. That's you and me. So the encouragement today is if you're struggling with loneliness now or in the past or in the future, you got to spend some time with God. you got to give yourself completely to Him, and He will give Himself completely to who? To you. And He will heal you and give you contentment and fill you to overflowing where you don't need anything or anybody else because you have God with you. And you can be a hilarious giver in all ways because you are so overflowing with the presence of God and such joy that there is nothing better. Isn't that good news for the day? So spend some time with God this week. Cry out to him, do not be afraid. Don't hide like Adam and Eve did, but say, Lord, here I am. I'm broken, <laughs> but here I am. I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm available. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you deal with the struggles of our life, that, Lord, our world is rampant with loneliness. Even if we are not struggling with loneliness, we know people that are. And, Lord, because of your word and your spirit within us, we know the answer. We pray, Lord, that we would give ourselves completely to you, to not replace you, but to give ourselves completely to you, to trust you, to take away the loneliness, Lord, to give us that joy, that peace that passes all understanding because it goes beyond anything that makes sense or comprehension because it all comes from you. We pray, Lord, that we would be content in you and give you all glory. And as your word says, be overflowing as you have filled us to more than full. In Jesus' name.